Comrades and friends, hello. We're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're behind enemy lines. We're in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. And I have to say, number one, uh, to our Muslim brothers and sisters, Eid Mubarak, big uh, holiday. Uh, I just talked to Medina today. She's going away for it. Um, also, we dodged a big bullet, folks. Uh, Bill and I, uh, we were not looking forward to this trial. And... Uh, yeah, we don't have to go. So uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, record a little little recap of the uh, Dominion Fox settlement uh, with our friend Chance from Chancery Daily, um, and give you guys a little bit of uh, commentary on what went down. Um, Chance, thanks again for for joining us on uh, short notice. Of course, yeah. I will say this for everyone who are listening now: uh, we we riffed last week uh, about um, the. The big chancery case from from uh, I guess late last year, the the Twitter case with Elon Musk, and we we didn't we didn't air it, we didn't we cut it, but only for for time. So I think after this chat, we're gonna release it as a little bonus for uh, patrons only, so you get to hear um, actually how Chancellor uh, McCormick um, did. He totally owned um, Elon. That'll be that'll be after this for patrons only. So enjoy that. Um, so first, let's just hit the uh, hit the big stuff. Settlement um, after the jury was seated, before opening statements, it's like seven hundred and eighty million. Um, I guess my first question, Chance, is like you mentioned during the day that uh, a lot the the settlement sort of negotiation is going on sort of at a for these cases in a parallel time. So everything we're seeing with motions and voir dire and all of this stuff there's a team sort of working on this as they go and um do you sort of want to explain sort of what you think sort of went down and some of the mechanics of it yeah i mean you know what's interesting is here uh it's obvious that they had i mean and it makes sense because this was such an enormous an enormous deal you know you've got a team like sussman godfrey uh, working the litigation side of things, presumably they're not the ones negotiating the settlement. I mean, there was a reporting that there was a some guy who was on vacation in Romania or something who came in to to negotiate. Yeah, they said he was the on, a river, on a river cruise. He was on a European river cruise. <laughs> something like this. Yeah. In his, he's in, gotta get him. He's in, get he's in Budapest on Zoom. <laughs> I mean, yes, um, which I thought was also interesting because I don't know how accurate any of this reporting is, but they said like it was reported around, you know, uh, they said that they pulled him in. It was like a 24 hour kind of gig that he ran, which I'm sure he got paid uh, a fine, a fine price, a fine percentage, perhaps even. I don't know how these people are compensated, but um, if it was really 24 hours of work, like if that's sort of an accurate description of how much time he put in that would land the timing really interestingly for how for when it sort of got really serious in terms of his involvement um if and it also was reported again it's really hard to know how accurate any of this reporting is you know if if i look at what i know is sometimes what's being reported versus what's what's true legally then i i'm hesitant to really give credence to much of the reporting that I see because <laughs> I know that from a legal perspective, a lot of times what I read in the reporting is total nonsense compared to what's actually going on in the docket or in the courtroom. So it's it's hard as a as a person who who's sort of looking at the reporting in their area of expertise and seeing just some really wonky interpretations of of things that are happening like wow that is a really weird interpretation and by weird i mean completely uh wrong interpretation of something that's 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 actually going on so but it was reported that the settlement literally came together like minutes before it was you know announced and they were going to have a real problem interestingly at the end of the day because what do you do right so you've got 
they were basically like T minus 30 minutes. What do you do at the end of the day? You're holding the jury. Imagine these jurors, right? What are they telling them? They've got to basically lie to them to some degree. They've got to basically say, oh, we they can't tell them anything about what is going on without prejudicing them to some degree. So the judge just has to be telling everyone nothing. So the jury's just kind of like eating mints in the jury room, you know, like they finished their lunch and judge says, well, uh, not yet. Or probably just the bailiff says, you know, okay, we're just going to sit here for a few minutes. Uh, and then a few minutes becomes an hour and an hour becomes two hours and two hours becomes uh, what, almost like two and a half, three hours. Um, it's really uh, problematic to like, it just becomes weird to keep them overnight if they can't announce a settlement by 4.30 when they're supposed to go home. I mean, I guess it just becomes this like complete mystery why they have to go home overnight. I guess it's sort of not the end of the world, but it, it gets pretty funky. Um, so, you know, they're T-minus 35 minutes or something when they announce, when they bring them back in the room and announce the settlement. But what I think is going on, because of how it was reported that basically when lunch was over uh we, and i'm gonna assume this is probably you know yeah. kavanaugh's they were tasked with slapping together box lunches at the last minute right. yeah but, well he um, said they let them order which is interesting so i guess kavanaugh's oh. probably has kavanaugh's does have like a sort of like you can pick like ham and cheese or like you know um like a vegetarian there's like one yeah <laughs> there is one yeah I am a vegetarian, so I do know that there's usually like a lettuce and tomato and cheese option. Um, yeah, they like don't the mozzarella put the meat on it. Pesto. Yeah, right. Mm, yeah. Mm, so, um, <laughs> but they did let them pick something because he made a big fuss about how well we have to let have they put their orders in yet. So it wasn't just like force feeding exactly, but um, yeah. So they brought well, the boxes in. Then, but go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, do you want to? It's like funny to talk about this now with the hindsight because yesterday afternoon when, you know, if you were like me, kind of glued to the the dial in line, uh, Rob and I were not there in person, obviously. Uh, you know, I knew that once we got to 2.30 that something was, you know, shiz was right. going kind of sideways because there's no way you're going to be able to limit the opening arguments to an hour right. each. And you definitely aren't going to just let Dominion open and then let Fox go uh, Wednesday morning. So yeah, I was no. like at this point suspecting juror confusion, juror mutiny. I thought so too. Um, here's what here's odd what like that. Yeah. Here were the the two points that so I I did not suspect settlement and I think the two points that I didn't have clearly in my mind. So yeah, I I was I was thrown off and I think I now looking back on it the two things that I did not have in my mental model that I think would have would have really reoriented me properly were this. One, I've never participated in a case that was this high stakes. The last like case where we were settling at the last minute, you know, during a trial was like a hundred million dollar case, not a seven hundred and eighty seven million dollar case on a hundred million dollar case. We like the lead attorneys were like the ones running around making the phone calls, like freaking out, trying to you know, the CEO was in the room with us. We were like all kind of like being weird we were showing ourselves right but we didn't have a hundred reporters in the room with us we weren't well, there wasn't that much national press there we weren't intentionally trying to be so careful about what we revealed we didn't have an entire other team working on the settlement because there just wasn't this much so i wasn't sort of thinking about how different it would have to be for various reasons at, at this sort of next next level massive complex commercial litigation. So I, I kind of conflated like high, high, high level complex commercial litigation with this sort of next, next, next level complex commercial litigation. So now it makes sense to me that, of course, the people who were going to stand up there and do the argument in the case that this didn't settle weren't the ones fucking worrying about whether or not the deal was going to get inked, right? They had to be like, all focus on their opening arguments because there was always the possibility that that could happen and they needed to prepare for the 1% chance that it could happen not even if it were a 90% chance it was going to settle they had to be worried about the 10% chance that that fell through so the fact that they were sitting there butts in seats didn't mean this wasn't close to settlement it meant that somebody else was fucking handling the settlement. And also it did start to seem like as things went on, there were more lawyers shuffling about, and that should have been a real signal that settlement was afoot. Um, 
also like i think just my sort of like uh paranoid mind got away from me at some point like oh my god something bad has happened because <laughs> i was like judge davis has had threats like then it's just everything started spiraling like what could possibly be happening but here's the other piece that really like I keep getting gaslit on the internet, and it's bothering me more and more. Wait a that minute! I'm letting wait a minute! It. You're no getting way. gaslit on the internet. <laughs> I know it's really me. it's really strange, but it's really starting to bother me because, like, I it it's 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 I'm not I'm tired of letting it happen. But you know, several weeks ago when this, so I got involved in this case late, so I didn't have like firm footing on it ever. I never got my footing. I never got to ground really solid underneath me because everybody just started begging me to cover this case. And it's sort of outside my jurisdiction, so to speak. And I never felt like I was totally on all fours with it. But I, the first thing that I covered was the summary judgment ruling. And I was coming with it with, at it with fresh eyes. I never followed that. I, I literally, like I said last time, I think these were all my mute words. Like I had, I, I muted the, the herd Depp trial. I muted every. I muted defamation. I don't. I did my damnedest to avoid the this area of law, this subject matter, like the whole Trump saying that the the. I didn't want to hear about any of this stuff. So I didn't really know anything about Dominion or like the the way that everyone had made this like some proxy battle for the soul of democracy. Um, anyway, when the subject, when the summary judgment ruling came out, I looked at it on, on its own merits and I went out on the internet and was like, damn, like Dominion just won some shit on summary judgment. They are the plaintiff. Uh, this is a big fucking deal. I think this case is going to settle. This is the kind of a summary judgment ruling that you settle a case on, like that Fox should settle this case. And I immediately got talked down by every voice on the internet who was like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Dominion is never going to settle this case. They are like the, the, the bastion of, they're the last bastion of democracy. All they care about is being like, you know, it was just this, this, cacophony of voices saying that's never going to happen they're in this for the apology from they're never going to settle without an apology from fox well nobody bothered to tell me that they're owned by a private equity company nobody bothered to tell me that of course like to remind me that like well it was just this weird narrative that developed and like i lost my footing like what of course they're going to settle like of course they would settle and so then I went into this trial, like with this, I was just kind of like in the, this realm of like, I had, I had bought into that narrative. I had, I had accepted the fact that everyone had told me I was so fucking wrong. And that was sort of in, in the space for me. And, and I let it color my judgment yesterday. Yeah. I, I learned actually, I think from one of your posts after the settlement, that like yeah, Dominion's just like a private equity, uh, sort of outfit. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's like, and the oh. PE firm like operates all the Six Flags Great Adventures in the country. Is that, <laughs> it's, yeah. kinda, it's like they just cleaned up like those parks. Those roller coasters <laughs> are gonna get wild. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, uh, we the one thing we do enjoy, Bill and I, when when we cover sort of legal stuff like this, is to go into it with like no, there's there's no rooting interest. There's no like good guy and bad guy. It's just. It's just sort of like these two sides. I mean, it's 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 uh, what they're arguing about is interesting in the context, but like, yeah, nobody nobody won. Democracy didn't win. Like, democracy uh, was never going to win. It's like Joel never. Fleming said. Like, that was not on the menu. Like, that was not ever. This was a civil case about about damages. But somehow, I got convinced. I was just like, well, I guess I haven't been following this enough. I guess Dominion is not even a company that cares about money. They're just a company that cares about democracy. Like, I guess they went into voting machines because they care. So I just accepted these facts that were not facts. And and yeah. and I was like, well, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and I did learn this from uh, from the lever, the, the Sirota uh, online thing. That uh, it says, thanks to an arcane line in the tax code, Fox can deduct that settlement payment from its income taxes, according to a company spokesperson and tax experts consulted by the lever. 
That's because federal law allows taxpayers to write off legal costs, providing that they are, quote, ordinary and necessary, unquote, business expenses. The IRS has repeatedly affirmed that major corporations paying out settlements is just part of the cost of doing business. So, yeah, it's like, who who wins? Like, as, as, as Carl t- uh, uh, sent out, money wins. Money wins again. It's un- Actually, it's undefeated, to be yeah. honest. It's very undefeated. Yeah. Um, um, Judge Davis has uh, assigned a special master to review, I guess, the, dis- or the, the discrepancies in discovery about Rupert Murdoch's title and role and why there was confusion around that. But my understanding is that this special master has a fairly broad scope um, do you do either of you know? Can either of you talk about that for a few minutes and sort of explain to me what? I mean, I I know like basically what that is, but not really. I mean, can somebody explain that? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, this thing's gonna that that thing is gone. I mean, that this actually is, I think, why the case. I mean, if I understand properly, the if the twenty, this is why the twenty four hours is really interesting to me because what happened was Judge Davis. I really need his memoirs like now so that I can find out if he's the one who actually punted the trial or if the settlement was pre-existing. But there's a there's a timeline in which Judge Davis is the one who punts the trial because he's not done with that ruling on Murdoch's stuff shenanigans. And he's not done with that brief that's filed at 730, uh, the motion for reconsider for clarification that's filed um, at like 730 p.m. on Sunday night because 7.34 p.m. or something on Sunday night, Fox files a motion for clarification on a motion in limine that they had uh, gotten a ruling on a couple days before. 44 minutes later is when he puts out the the notice through Sean O'Sullivan that the trial is being adjourned until Tuesday morning. Mm -hmm. That seems like a perfect amount of time for him to have gotten the notification that Fox had filed the motion for clarification and said, no fucking way. I'm not ruling on that by nine o'clock the the next morning. He literally had said, I'm, I got to go back and look at it, but I'm pretty sure he actually used the example of 7 30 PM as being a not okay time for them to file things and get a ruling the next morning at the pretrial hearings. He said something to the effect of y'all are not going to get a ruling from me at 9. AM. If you file something at 7 30 at night, he he might not have, when I was there uh, the, the the morning of jury selection, and they was talking about a couple of motions that came through, he said yes. something. He said something like, "Yeah, if you think on whatever the whatever the exactly. uh, sis- whatever the system's called, I don't remember exactly file like, yeah. He's like, if you think I'm clicking that at like eight thirty nine o'clock, exactly, I'm not, I'm exactly, <laughs> exactly, and so." So, but the night before trial, he kind of has to, like, he kind of has to see what the fuck is this thing. So, so he, it comes in at 730. That's right close enough to the time where he had said, no, 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 this isn't happening. Maybe he, maybe he used 830 as the example, but in any case, it's real close to what he had said. This isn't going to fly right. y'all. Right. So 45, 44 minutes later, he, he adjourns the trial, the start of the trial. Now, if that's his doing it's really interesting because he adjourns the trial. Now the next, so Monday at like 1230, he puts out a minute order that says, uh, it's a ruling on the, the, the Murdoch stuff. And he says, okay, I read your letter. That's basically five pages of, we're so sorry. We <laughs> effed this up and we didn't disclose to the court or to the other party that Murdoch was on both boards. It's five pages of explanation to, as to how, it somehow came across to the court that 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 they had sort of it had ended up as a misrepresentation to the court. He says, as to the court, I am satisfied with your explanation. As to Dominion, we're going to have to figure out if they were prejudiced by this. And I'm going to basically withhold a, a judgment on that. And so that happens at noon. Then like at three o'clock on Monday, he puts out a ruling on their motion for clarification, and he denies to clarify his previous rulings. So he takes basically all day Monday, effectively, to get his himself situated on the rulings that were necessary to start the trial, which is really why I feel like he's the one who needed Monday, which means to me that it wasn't that there were like so deep in settlement talks that they're the ones who needed the trial pushed. It could have been like a both and thing, but anyway... 
let's imagine that Davis is the one who pushes the trial. Monday at noon, he puts the minute order out about uh, the, the Murdoch stuff. Now, that evening, so imagine also that thing comes out at noon. It puts Fox into a flip shit kind of mode because they see the part, okay, the court is okay with it, but he's still not okay with it about the discovery as to Dominion. They they put all all horses in gear, and they that night, Monday night, they file a, please, I keep calling it a, quote, please, daddy, don't hurt me motion that's like five more or more pages of, we uh, the letter the intro letter says basically ah oh, we see that you're still considering sanctions so we'd please like you to consider all this extra stuff about why you shouldn't impose sanctions they file that monday night so they put that together between noon on monday and like 8 p.m monday night okay so they're they're busy preparing for trial and they take the time out even though he says that monday on monday at noon he says you know, we're basically going to punt this down the road and see if there was prejudice to Dominion. He doesn't say, like, we're going to do that tonight. He doesn't say we need to do it before trial starts. They get their butts in gear and they file this follow-up motion. They're like, we see you're still considering sanctions. Here's some more details. Okay, he, they file that Monday night. Now, he doesn't have to, like, get straight on that. He, he He's already sort of made clear that that was going to be something they would handle in due course. Well, Tuesday, I'm pretty sure like while he's sitting on the bench, he files this letter to the special master, which he obviously, you know, his clerk obviously files it or whatever. Like it's always obviously was something just in the works that, that ended up getting filed at like 1134. Hmm. And it goes on the docket and it's like a five page order to the special master that basically says, now I need to go back and read like the the letter that the the stuff that they filed on Monday night and and then in conjunction I I don't have my arms around the real world of this but what I yeah. read is possible that this could have that this discovery with the special master there's an allegation and again this is not something I've verified for myself and I don't trust like the words on the internet but this is something that someone said is that it could have led to the special master looking into Murdoch's communications, including potentially like his text messages or other personal communications around some of this disclosure stuff. Yeah. I mean, there that's was the only some I got talk about how that could have been like, why this went from holy shit to holy fuck, let's settle this case. And why the dude in Romania got a phone call to come off the riverboat. That. Yeah. Very that's cool. awesome. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the was, timing makes sense because the 24 hours, sense. That was that was the sort of speculation that I heard was that there was there was something probably based on what the special master was going to do that looked like let's just but but isn't that but that uh, does that uh, order to do that investigation does that still hold or is that just, just no it goes it's away. Right? It goes away. Ah, okay. They paid for that to go. That's what the seven. That's what the. That's what the money's for. Yeah, that's what yeah, the money yeah. went to. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that we're we're speaking about this. Just you know, if you're listening to sort of like outside news sources that are not the three of us right now, I think that there's more speculation that it's like. You know, we, Fox personalities, they just didn't want them on the stand. That's why they settled. But I think that you follow Chancery Daily, you know, f to get into the weeds here a little bit. And I love just the timing, the way that you laid it out, like Monday through Tuesday. Um, and just the sort of order of operations of things. And I, I, I like your theory. I like the timing and everything. I think it, it all checks out. I think it really does check out like it's it's it, the, just all the the minutes and the hours they all really line up with all all the little indicia really kind of fall into place there's nothing with all you know even if you don't take any one piece of the reporting super seriously like everything just falls in, into place with that story so then all the stories when all the stories start to make sense together then it's like hmm this might be a coherent narrative and then you're like well you know that kind of could all check out yeah, it makes it makes sense to me. I don't think. I mean, we talked a little bit about it, like Bill said about like, you know, and Trump did come out and say like, I hope, I hope Rupert, I hope he he, I hope he says that that this is all true. And I'm I'm thinking they already said they were false statements. Like it's just so funny. But but I don't think you know it makes a lot more sense the procedural sort of real shit than like fake shit. But um, Chance, do you know anything about the? 
defamation lawsuit in New York State. Yeah, I know that I know that there's like so many talking heads on TV today being like, oh, the the New York State defamation case is going to be a lot. Uh, I guess they're saying it's going to be a lot easier because it's going to be under New York law and not Delaware law. And I'm just like, oh, my God, nope. my eyes are my eyes are hurting. They're rolling so hard into the back of my brain right now. Like, I'm going to lose an eyeball here. Because, you wanna, do you want to explain why that's nonsense? Yeah. Yeah. Because this case, there was a finding early on, like, I think in 2021 or something. I don't know that like that choice of law is when courts decide, you know, just because a certain court in a certain state is hearing a case doesn't necessarily mean that they are applying the law of that state. So choice of law is where a court will apply the law of another state if that's the appropriate thing to do. And here I just pulled it up. But April 27th of 2021, so just about two years ago, Judge Davis made a finding that New York tort law would apply and tort a defamation is a tort. So New York defamation law applied here. And so this entire case was heard under already under New York defamation law. So the only thing, I mean, there was a tiny bit of nuance that someone did say today could be the case, which is obviously not what the talking heads are saying, but if, if they were being nuanced, they could potentially, you know, view it as like maybe an appellate court would be in New York would be slightly more favorable in like a, in looking at an appeal on New York law than Delaware Supreme Court would be, but that would be like a very fine nuance. But the 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 truth is that I think Judge Davis quite fairly applied New York law here. And so there's not going to be a meaningful difference between a, a case that's in New York. Now, there are like so many, I refused stringently to get into all the different cases, but there there are like there are Smartmatic cases. There are Newsmax cases. There are Newsmax smart. It's like a you know a matrix of shit. There's like Newsmax Smartmatic cases. There's Newsmax. Well, there's Smartmatic Fox cases. There's so it's not clear to me where all these cases are. There they were in. There were Smartmatic cases in Delaware, but then people are saying that the Smartmatic cases are all in New York now. Um, I need to like pull up the dockets, but I haven't had the will to to admit that there's, you know, what, what are the remnants that are here? I guess they got transferred all to New York, but, um, look, I think we've given the people enough for now. <laughs> right. Jeez. How, how much, do, you know, the high we were, hurdle of Delaware defamation law. Yeah. We were just saying like, look, they're, they're not paying for yeah. it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. so this is what you're getting. For free. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we get to some, some, maybe some real fun stuff, um, we did talk a little bit about, there is a, a chancery connection to this because this will this will uh I guess have some bearing on the fiduciary responsibility case, the Schwartz yeah. versus Fox News. Do you wanna talk about a little bit about that? Like what what the ramifications of this settlement are or aren't and how that uh will probably proceed in the next few months, maybe? Yeah, what kind of track is it? Yeah. On? Yeah, well so I guess first of all, there's there is the existing case, the Schwartz case, and then there, I, the 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 grapevine has uh, dropped some grapes on this, and uh, there will most certainly be more follow-on cases, and which means there'll most certainly be a, a leadership fight and all sorts of other things coming on this, uh, which I've heard from several sources now. So um, there's several. Uh, it sounds like potentially uh, there's going to be several more follow-on cases. Um, so there's not just even going to be the one. Because um, no, right now it's just it's one large shareholder, but I guess it could be other sort of uh, other. There's usually other like finan- other people with financial interests or can can yeah can do the same. There'll be more Basically stockholders. Yeah, more yeah, stockholders yeah. with the same claims, but then they just different law firms or whatever bring and sometimes even the same law firm on behalf of a different stockholder. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Money um, wins against undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> undefeated. Um, so the um, you know there's also like the possibility that that they are you know there's a there's a type of uh, action in the chancery court called a books and records action so it's also possible that some of them are sort of going through the motions with fox now requesting documents under under either just sort of there there may even be like a books and records action that happens in the court of chancery before if if necessary um 
as a predicate to another derivative suit. So we may see even a sort of like precursor action uh, before we see other derivative actions. But, you know, the the bottom line is that I think this is going to be an ongoing matter for years uh, because once you once you're looking at a derivative suit, you're 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 sort of talking about rearview mirror stuff. This is not the kind of like expedited litigation like the you know people who are sort of only familiar with the court of chancery mainly from something like the Twitter matter know the court of chancery on this massively expedited litigation basis. Well, derivative actions are sort of rearview mirror looking kind of uh, suits. They're not they're not. Well, in, in most in, in in most cases, so this one will be. It's sort of like, well, how do we handle this this past harm, and how do we remedy for it? So they're not as fast track by any means. Um, this court is still super expedient, but something has to give when you're handling cases on like the Twitter matter on on a super expedited basis. Other cases that don't need to be handled that way obviously can't be. So it'll be a a several year process uh till those get resolution and you know the interesting thing that will be confronting like you said before maybe even triggering to use a triggering word um to some people is that they will be brought derivatively on behalf of fox corporation which to those who were interested mainly in the idea that fox corporation go down in all of this, uh, they will be just dis- potentially dissatisfied. Although there is a way that that can sort of be, there is there is a loophole here that is too in the weeds to get into right now. But I will certainly get into it at some point in the future when I have to school my entire following on the the absolute nuances of the various ways that derivative uh, recoveries can go. But you know. It'll be interesting for people to learn about the way that derivative actions work because they are brought by a stockholder on behalf of the corporation. But a lot of times it feels like you're saying the corporation is the bad actor, but it's really like in this case, like that Murdoch is the bad actor and that the corporation, i.e. the stockholders as corporation were harmed. The corporation, you know, as constituted by its stockholders yeah um, like the, the corporation almost as like i don't know like an amorphous blob represented by right. the stockholders but then <laughs> I, I guess the respondent in this case would be the corporation the, the board of directors that's sort of like when they say the, the government but the government the government is the government the corporation is the friends that we made along the way and filed many suits <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then the, the like the 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 next level inception thing is that like you're suing you're suing Murdoch and you know then potentially the board because the board didn't you know there's different ways that these suits can go down. You sometimes are saying that the board didn't properly you know exercise its oversight, so you're you're wrapping in all the the different directors and everything. But then you know the 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 twist or the sometimes problematic part is for people is that the directors are all indemnified with these massive insurance policies. And so the directors don't really feel any pain, so to speak, because the corporation has been paying for their directors and officers insurance. Um, mm-hmm. It all gets a little vortexy uh, on a sort of conceptual basis because you're just like, is there really anyone paying in a sense of, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, which is like money wins and, you know, these, these, in a sense, you can think about it as there being some sort of justice, but also you don't want to get too tied up in like hoping for some absolute proxy fight in a colloquial sense of like, you can't, you can't fight battles that are not winnable in terms of like, you have to fight on the battleground that you're fighting. You have to fight the battle on the battleground that you're fighting on. So, you know, you can only win what you're asking to win, which is in this case, some sort of usually monetary recovery or something else. Like, so yes, you'll get that, but you'll probably get most of it from an insurance policy. So hope you're okay with that. 
Can I, uh, can I turn this podcast around for one second? And cause I know there's a lot of people that listened to the last one we did together and we're I like, do, I, Who actually, are? I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bring that up, but, um, yeah, we, we did. Can uh, I turn this podcast around and say like, who are you guys? Because everybody was like, who are these guys? They're so cool. And like, oh, that's uh, awesome. I don't need you to tell me like who you are personally, if you don't want to, but like, who are you? And like, what is this podcast about? And like, can you just share a little bit? Because people thought you were really cool. And I think you should, I mean, I actually want to know, cause I just like did a, the, the minimalist amount of due diligence to find out that I thought you were cool. And to listen to like some of your podcasts on two X just to make sure you weren't like, you know, crazy people on the internet, but you were crazy in a good way. I mean, way we're on crazy internet, people which, on the internet. No, 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 no. I figured that out, but you were crazy, cool, like crazy in the good way on the internet. So me um, too. And, uh, but like, tell it, tell everyone who's listening, who's like, who are my people, who you guys are and what you're doing. Why are you covering cases? And like, what is it about? So, um, Carl and I um, started the podcast about four years ago. We've done over 250 episodes uh, once a week. We haven't missed a week. And we sort of started it as part of a like, or, like political organizing, leftist news. Um, I was a fan of, of Michael Brooks, who was a commentator and uh, uh, like a YouTuber. And so I thought that would be something to do while I'm working. I worked at a bank downtown. And um, once I stopped doing that, I just started doing it like more full time. We also all work um, to edit and put out a uh, sort of an online magazine called The Delaware Call. Um, but really the podcast is is just like we started interviewing like journalists that we knew, um, activists that we knew. And then I started reaching out to people who wrote books. So I was I was talking to, you know, historians. And then I just started trying to reach out to others who might just talk. So, like, the listeners here might be interested to know that uh, during COVID, I, I have about an hour and 10-minute interview with Leo Strine, the former chancellor and the former uh, chief justice of the, Supreme, of the Delaware Supreme Court. Um, but yeah, we're just like, we're just like activist dudes. I guess it's like back in the day, you would just call us like Bernie bros, I guess, or whatever. But, um, it's just something we did like as a hobby that sort of turned into like a part-time job. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm, I'm from here. I'm from Wilmington. I went to the university of Delaware. I grew up here and yeah, it was just, I, I sort of got into, community organizing and political organizing like on the side as a hobby or as something that I would do volunteer work and that sort of started this um bill I don't know if you want to if you want to go chance it's funny you have a like a rather polite reply guy who I think is a law student right now and I saw he responded to the the podcast link with like really love this interview but like what the heck is up with these guys are they just random leftist content creators and, sort I, and of, I wanted I mean, to say sort of yeah yeah dude and you enjoyed it <laughs> And, uh, oh, oh, and his uh, Twitter bio was really funny. It was um, legal, realist, uh, civil libertarian, of course. <laughs> so <laughs> that was cool. But um, I'll be really quick. Yeah, I'm just a bud of Rob's. I will occasionally co-host here, um, especially if, if they need a, a requisite legal expert in the bunker. I've been a Delaware practicing attorney for, I guess, like 14 years, primarily in tax law. Uh, nonprofit and private foundations for the most part. Uh, I have litigated in the Court of Chancery before, but it's been the, the um, what side would they call it? I guess I did trust in estate stuff and a, um, a residential deed restriction case, which was actually really fun. So that's me. But otherwise, you know, I was trying to remember today what the hell were Revlon duties? Were we going to talk about those? Are we going to talk about Aronson ruling if we're no, talking no, derivative we're actions? But that's, oh, yeah, that's well, the extent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for asking. We don't need to get that deep. But yeah, that's awesome. No, we yeah, definitely so, have to link. We have to link out that that uh, that that hour was drawing. My God, people will love that. Yeah, and, that. And, and yeah, so there's there's stuff that we do that's sort of esoteric, like with our friends, like sort of inside, like. Delaware leftist politics. Um, but we also do again, like, um, did you just like YOLO and emails and Strine and he responded? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Strine is like the, the, uh, the, 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 the grandfather of this, uh, of, of, of the chancery daily in a certain way. Um, because he, he, the, the founder of the publication, uh, clerked for Strine, 
Uh, and so it sort of all only exists in, in, in the grand sort of sense because of, uh, that experience. So that's, yeah, it was, I mean, I, I, I started doing that, like just taking flyers, especially on like academics or journalists who write books because they want to talk about it anyway. So if I'm interested in it, you can usually get them come, come on and talk. So it was a nice mix of like local, um, activists and organizers and sort of local news and then. You know, just like I've, it's it's self indulgent. Like I I interviewed this very famous historian from Stanford, uh, Richard White, who's like this famous Civil War and his uh, and Re- and Reconstruction historian. But he's like the he's like the United States's like premier historian on the railroads, the development of the railroads. But like I just did that because I wanted to do it. You know, I think I think people did appreciate it. Like I, we, I read like a thousand page book to talk to them and stuff. But like, yeah, most of the stuff that people like are like local politics and gossip. That's cool. Very cool. And this hits both. And that's why. And and actually, like, um, really, the legal thing just started when we, you know, this Kathy McGinnis, the auditor of the ex-auditor of the state was a sort of um, was a character in our sort of gossip before she was even elected like she was just an odd you know sort of character and so when the rumor started going around that she was like really odd in office and possibly like maybe there were some ethical questions whatever whatever People were tracking her stuff and just joking about it because she was funny. But when she got indicted, <laughs> we were like, well, it would be fun to, like, cover the trial, like, Gonzo style. Like, we build like, this into existence. Yeah. Like, like, so are we responsible yeah, like, for the like, consequences? Like Raul Duke and the, and the attorney, you know, we were going to we were going to ride into yes. the into the thing. I, I remember when we went when they announced the. um the indictment, and we went to the press conference uh, outside the courthouse. Like, Bill's asking questions. We're like, this is happening. She's getting indicted. Uh, but, yeah, that's how the legal – that's kind of how the legal stuff started was was doing that, and we just got sucked into this thing where we uh, – you know, we thought we were going to go every day to Wilmington, and then we found out because Steve Wood did some razzle-dazzle, we were going every day to Dover, and it became <laughs> – and it became so. It became like not only a story about the trial, but a story about like us like getting on the three hundred one bus and going to Dover and smoking a bunch of weed. And like just you know, it became that thing. It became a Gonzo sort of thing. But we, but we, well, we were very diligent about like giving the the best sort of recap of the day's trial. You know, we we tried to talk about. You know what the witnesses said and why it was germane to the argument that's already been made, and some of the other ancillary stuff that was going on around the trial. Um, so yeah, people really dug it, and for the first time, we were getting like uh, a lot of people were just like we would come into the courtroom and like some of the attorneys would be like, "Hey, I heard what you called the cop," you know, because there was there was a cop called Frank Robinson, so we called him Hall of Fame baseball player Frank Robinson and stuff. They liked it because they. They were listening to it. They were listening to it, I think, literally on the drive down. Yeah. Like, they were listening to the the evening before. So, it was kind of fun. very meta, and, uh, but we never, we never actively injected ourselves into it. I think we just, we covered it as if the case was intended to be covered. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, Yeah, it it was cute. Cute is a good way to describe it. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I think that's, I think that's right. It's wholesome. I I mean, it's very wholesome. I like it. Well, yeah. I mean, it it kind (laughs) of was because we were like, we would have interactions with Kathy's family, which I thought were very sincere and very genuine. And uh, we were having interactions with the attorneys and stuff. And like, Denny still remembers calling him mop buckets because he looked like he was walking around with his feet into mop buckets and he still remembers that um so i mean i just think that there's there's such a there's such a uh not demand but there is such a a a place for like just real kind of not bullshit not spin kind of down-to-earth reporting about legal stuff that people just want it people want to know what's going on in these court cases, they don't really want the like obsessively polished reporting that is actually most of the time misunderstood bullshit. Um, you know, 
people just want it. They, they just do. And even honestly, I think the lawyers really like it. Like they like to see what, what people, even other lawyers and normal people think about their case. It, it helps them a lot to sort of see how things are landing and how it's being heard. But also, you know, just, you know, what a reporter thinks about it isn't like a, a, a sort of like, I don't know what you would call them, like a, 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 a standard reporter for like a big media company is not that useful because they have all their own weird preconceptions and journalistic whatevers. But all that stuff is, is kind of all inside of some sphere of nonsense that's gotten so. Well, speaking of journalists, I mean, that again, that's the thing. I, like I, I feel like, and, and, you know, Carl and I sat down from the podcast perspective, you know, years ago and, and the call too. like, there's no point in putting in, you know, effort for basically nothing um, if you're going to do the same thing everybody else is doing. Like, one of the, I guess one of the Fox uh, PR people got uh, thrown out of the regular courtroom. Yes. And, and, like, right pictures. <laughs> like, before and, like, the, the thing I, even started. Yeah. So I heard about it, and then, and then I, I, hit, I pick up my phone, or I go to the internet after seeing somebody text it to me. And it's like there's a there's a there's an like within a, two minutes there's an article at the Independent uk that's reporting on Eric Wemple from the Washington Post's reporting. So I'm just like, there's no point in going down there and doing it. Like, and and this is not what I don't need to get that information out. Like, I don't need to do that stuff. And so I, I want to try to do something else and just give people an alternative that's that's independent. That's all. Yeah, I was I was consuming like a triforce of content yesterday afternoon. I had like I said in my headphones, I had the call in line to the court, which was mostly silent, basically from eleven thirty till like yeah, like like three forty five or whatever. Uh, I had the ch- uh, chances Twitter, who was doing like. 70 plus entry thread which was like very helpful it really it's there's a lot of twists and turns if you want to relive something kind of exciting and then i had the new york times like live blog up and this is the kind of stuff we were missing rob uh listen to this wiener schnitzel jim rutten jim uh jim rutenberg the courtroom is packed and sweltering and welling with anticipation as no word comes about why there's a delay Six, six minutes later the scene in the courtroom it is sweltering. Everyone is up from their seats, going in and out of the room. Fox's lead lawyer has taken several phone calls. Some people are standing. All are talking. Others gesticulating. It's relative anarchy for Judge Davis's court, which is exactly what it was not. Calm, cool, and collected. Back in chambers, I bet. Yeah, he was probably just kicking it. Yeah, again, that's the... Like, I knew um, and on when when they... When they canceled court on Monday for Tuesday, and Meredith Newman put the picture up at like eight, quarter to nine, and there was like a hundred people in line outside the court, and I'm like, they're not even fucking having no, court today. It's gonna it, that would take forty five minutes a day just to get everyone up the elevator. What's the <laughs> What's the point? I'm not kidding. <laughs> you know, I, I don't understand what the well. And again, this is why we all we all uh, you know just exhaled uh, a, a huge sigh of relief uh at when, when we when I saw settlement come across my come across yeah. my uh, my digital, digital transfer. I know. it was so beautiful so our our next well I, I'm particularly interested in an upcoming criminal case and it's a little bit like sort of niche but I want to lay this out there um and see what we see what we want to do cuz Bill Bill knows what it is, but I don't know. He's not as uh, he's not as committed as I am to cover it. So, uh, I think April of last year, I, I want to say it was April. I'm, I'm not positive. There was an incident at the uh, Irish club in the neighborhood here. Oh, you know, all these old uh, Catholic neighborhoods have like the Italian club, the Irish club. Everybody knows this. Is the, this is the spot. <coughs> Well, like one of the uh, one of the popes of the neighborhood, big loudmouth Irish guy. His dad's a big loudmouth too. Winds up uh, getting in an altercation with the gentleman, and there's some sort of interaction. Pushes him down or hits him in some way. Guy hits his head, 
Ambulance comes. He's in a coma. He dies the next day. It's a it's it's pretty much an open secret in a neighborhood for like six months. Last fall, he finally gets arrested. He's an attorney actually in Chad's Ford. He finally gets arrested on like, you know, some pretty serious charges like, like aggravated assault and, and some sort of like involved, you know, uh, some kind of manslaughter charge. <clears throat> but. I feel like people don't follow this. I think it would be interesting to follow. Plus, it's it's kind of out of spite because I always knew this guy was a bad dude. I knew it. But I also don't know exactly, like, I'm fascinated with what, like, the the details. Like, we don't know the details of the interaction yet. Because, like, when I went to look at the documents at the court, they did some sort of warrant. It's like a... They didn't need, like, the probable cause was stipulated. They didn't have to say the evidence is this for our arrest warrant or whatever. They just said, we're going to stipulate he's going to come in and all that. So there's still no, like, details about it. But the the trial is supposed to start in June. And I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to cover it. Chance, I don't know about you, but this sounds like Rob's maybe pivoting to true crime. I think I'm pivoting to true crime pivot. True, true crime pivot. I mean, you got true crime is quite popular with the people. I gotta admit. Look, if 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 I'm gonna indulge myself and, and interview fucking Richard White and uh, you know all these people, I think I think I can do a little true crime. Here's the thing, you know, someone uh, said something about my writing. Well, people say all the time that my writing is self indulgent, and I just have to say that absolutely, you should you should indulge every single whim in your creation your content creation that you have because the world needs more people doing what they love and there is absolutely no reason that you shouldn't pursue whatever following whatever case you want to follow because what matters is that you're focusing on something that's interesting to you because that's what people will want to be they will want to hear about it they will want to follow it they will want they will be interested too i mean honestly none of this shit is that much more interesting on its own merits than any of the rest of it and what really matters to people is that someone's lit up by it yeah i mean um uh, i do know i do know that whatever it was going to be and i think carl and i probably talked about this bill and i too um, I knew whatever it was going to be, it has to be genuine. Like, you have to be doing what you want to do. Like, now, whether whether that translates into um, then people, like, it, you know, a little bit it has. It's been up and down. You know, there's some things people like, some people that don't, you know, whatever. But, but the only way it will work ever is to do it like this, I think. Because otherwise it's just, it just gets lost in the, in the, uh, in the, in the morass you know, because it's not genuine. People see through it. Yeah, Chance, I mean, you did, like, a cool 9,000 words before the trial even began this weekend. And I don't want to say that you were, like, writing it sort of like that quasi-memoir style. But, like, you get oh, to know I your was. personality throughout it. Like, you kind of do get to know what – I can kind of picture you in your, in your condo or, like, your house or wherever you are, like, pacing <laughs> and just, like, um, <laughs> you know – and I think you, the you thing tweeted is yesterday that, like, at some I just, point, like, I won't, time to put I won't on do pants. it otherwise. Yes, I, I just had no... I was, like, pantsless the whole morning. Until... Yeah, it was one of those days. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it was very I got very up genuine. the next morning. Yeah, I, I just remember getting up. Uh, one of the mornings when you had written a lot, and, and I was asleep. I was making coffee, getting ready to read a little bit. I looked at the internet, and I just see this big, long thread. I'm like, I can't read that. And it just said, now I sleep. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like three hours. It was like this was like say seven o'clock in the morning. This was like three hours before. And yeah. I'm like, I'm counting back. I'm like, that's four a.m. What the fuck is she doing? Oh my god! Yeah. Wait, it's so just how like... do you handle like if you don't mind my asking, like kind of longer like substacky type posts like that with the legal periodical <laughs> itself? Are there, oh. is there sort of like a, a wall between the two kind of styles of content? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, okay. the normal publication is like totally different. And the normal publication, the, the, the daily publication has like really very little commentary. I mean, that's why that's why we started the Substack or I started the Substack is because, well, frankly, I just 
I, I write sometimes some of the, we call it like up top commentary. We, we write a small up top commentary in the daily publication. Um, mostly Kyle writes it sometimes or other writer, Justin writes it. Um, but sometimes I'll write it. it. We just sort of like depends on what we're handling in terms of the main, we write basically summaries and uh, of the case of the opinions that come out in the transcript rulings and things. Um, and then we, we do a little bit of commentary summary, kind of like, you know, basically things that would be like legal memoranda, but a little bit more, uh, not quite so boring. Um, they have style, but they don't have opinion, I would say. And they certainly don't have like stream of consciousness, like what I did for fucking, you know, I don't know, whatever, like they're nothing like the Substack. Um, the Substack was just basically me, like, just cause I write a lot and I wanted to say things and people wanted to read what I was saying. Um, and there was no outlet for that in the publication, really no appropriate place for it. So it was like, well, fucking just put it somewhere <laughs> on the internet. Um, that's sort of how that came to be. It was also more like for lay people. Obviously, our publication is for lawyers who practice in the court of chancery and was really inappropriate for anyone to subscribe to it uh, who wasn't. It's basically malpractice to practice in the court of chancery and not subscribe to our main publication. It's not something we're going to ask like Joe Schmo who just wants to follow, you know, cases or just wants to read what I write to like, so it would Particularly be really obsessed with the AMC bizarre. matter. Yeah. Like, I mean, so, it's, it's please subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, whatever uh, the CEO of AMC, cause that's their burner account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, our daily publication is like probably 10,000 words of, but it's mostly like summaries of court opinions mm -hmm. and like, you know, it's, but it's, it's a totally different, thing well, was, um, it, I, I will tell you this it was funny when bill was explaining it to me because you know i just i i knew that there was some writing behind it but i was just looking at the social media and right uh, right i knew that and, and uh we had talked and you were writing this big sub stack for the case and i'm like uh so you you uh you get the sub stack he's like yeah i was like what, what else did you get the other thing he's like i'm not kidding that's a scholarly fucking journal <laughs> <laughs> Like, no it's a, it's a lot it's like a lot yeah um yeah it's a lot i mean we link i link it sometimes in the we link out some of the you know days of it just because in various things just so people can see it but it's like it's it's way impenetrable for any normal human um consumption yeah. and it's it's really supposed to be like it behind like a it's supposed to be like a searchable database but our tech uh challenges have been varied <laughs> multifarious and so um we're working on all of that but it really deserves to be like a, a a searchable database kind of thing and but nonetheless it's been like a daily email for d a decade and so it's that cumbersome in terms of its sort of delivery yeah and I, I can tell you just based on like the stuff that we're working on and sort of branching out and you know, different projects, and, I, you know, I wrote a news article today, published today on the Delaware Call, about a, a labor dispute at a care home in the neighborhood. And so there's a point, there's like a place for everything. Like if All of that supports itself, I think. Like, because you can go out and sort of express yourself in the way you want to do it, and you have the, uh, you know, you have the scholarly uh, journal behind, like you're part of a, there's... You know, they used to have just like blogs or a podcast that's associated that's associated with something. Like maybe we're doing it now. I don't know, but I I do think that all of that sort of support mechanism uh, is in incredibly important. Maybe I do because that's what we're doing. But you know, there's a place for all of that. I think. Yeah, and not to not to derail too much, but like I like Chance as well. How like the Twitter has become a very genuine, informative place to go for attorneys and non-attorneys alike. And it's really interesting because like, I feel like Twitter was the way over the last, I don't know, decade or so. It's kind of how I curated my news. Like, you know, you curate your feed, you, you see on your timeline what you want to see. 
right now, you know, if Twitter were like an edifice, if it were a physical thing, it would be vibrating and sprockets and nuts and bolts would be falling <laughs> off of it because springs would become like it, pew, yeah, pew. it is. It feels like such a janky interface, um, and. You know, so it just it's kind of cool to have like you know a couple of days like this where we're really closely following well, are this you, Dominion are, trial. Are you are, are you getting ver- the good info? Is, is the is the Chancery Daily account? It's it's not uh, verified, right? Because because no. they're taking all that away, right? No, Maybe, are, we never. You, you can pay the eight dollars. You can't pay the eight dollars, right? I could not. I mean, I would no, not. $8. You can't. <sighs> <sighs> I yeah, would not. I, I'm hoping. It, you know, that's a great segue, everyone. To uh, <laughs> you know, if you do give us. Two dollars a month, five dollars a month. You you would get cool like bonus episodes, like we're going to play right after this, which is. I uh, mean, it com- it's worth it to just hear the part about Chancellor McCormick. If, if that's behind the paywall, then well, you know, really should- yes, because uh, there was a, a and I even because it made such an impact on me, I put it in the Twitter post, and before I realized that it didn't make the the final cut. So look. Patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker. Whatever you want to throw their month, that would be wonderful. And you'll get the uh, the bonus episode that uh, we did last week about Twitter uh, versus Elon Musk and how Elon Musk was totally owned by Chancellor uh, Kathleen McCormick. Very eloquently put by Chance from Chancery Daily. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us again. I, I very much appreciate it. I hope this becomes a semi-regular sort of event. Totally, totally, totally. That would rule. So, Chance, after the case settled yesterday, I Googled one word to see if it had, it popped up in any articles about, you know, Delaware being the jurisdiction here. We haven't. It's we're in the Superior Court of Delaware. Let me. Let me know, or if you if you guess what word I googled, this is from a uh, like a law review article about the history of the Superior Court in Delaware. For many years, a strong collegiality has existed among the judges who have served the court. That bond, which may be unique among Delaware courts, continues to this day. Judges who currently sit on the court cherish the firm tradition of collegiality begun under their predecessors. Based on more than friendship, it's a collaboration that furthers the common missions of doing justice and serving the needs to the court, of the court. To that end, judges share their experience and knowledge of precedent, problems, and cases with each other. Visiting judges and lawyers from other states have been quick to compliment the quality of the administration of justice in superior court and to admire the harmony they find. After witnessing the collegiality of the court firsthand in 1992, Professor Ernest C. Friesen, the first dean of the National Judicial College and a founder of modern court administration, said, If I were to be a judge, I would want to be one in Delaware. Wow, that's... Oh. So yeah, the, the word is collegiality. They only said collegiality three times. I, don't... <laughs> I know. But you know what? No, but no. That no is a times. hell of a quote. That is it a hell is. of a quote. Yeah, uh, that's a shout out to the, the honorables Dupont Ridgely, Taylor, Cooch, Dick Cooch, uh, F. Alton Tybout, and Kevin J. O'Connell Esquire. So, yeah, I thought that was neat. But yeah, no, no New York Times, no Washington Post, no Wall Street Journal ever said that the, the Delaware Bar was collegial. But, you know, I really do think there was a neat moment after a settlement was announced. There was a gasp from the crowd. And you know what? The jury was thanked very sincerely. I think Judge Davis, you know, to paraphrase, said something like, this settlement would not happen but for you, you know. And he reinforced the idea of, like, this, you know, this civic responsibility, which I thought was really rad. And then he thanked uh, the attorneys on both sides and said, you have been model uh, counselors with which with whom to work. So, um, you know, Delaware Bar does it again. That's yeah, it. I mean, I wrote a piece that, uh, you know, you could link with this episode. It's pre-paywall. It's... Uh for everyone on Substack. Uh, it's pretty short. It has no stream of consciousness. It's straight to the fucking point. The reply guys can't come in and tell me I'm being self-indulgent. It's uh, all very factual. Indulge, it's just about... indulge. No, I know. I do, trust me. But this is, I wanted to be very clear about this. It's just about how Delaware is the far superior venue for, uh, you know, as it goes back to the point we discussed last episode, which was that the Delaware courts are just the absolute best in the country. I don't think that there is any question about this. We have our problems. We have our, you know, like we're, we're not a perfect uh, uh, state or 
organism in, in any sense, but that there is just no better judicial system. I mean, it, you look around the country now, you look even at the Supreme Court of the United States. I mean, maybe especially the Supreme Court of the United States. You know, lately. well, you're lucky because Clarence Thomas, the Clarence Thomas situation was on my outline, <laughs> but we don't have time to talk about it. No, but it's like you just look around and you think, what what could even possibly be said to be competing with Delaware right now? Delaware is kicking ass and taking names like in terms of just doing right by being competent and providing a forum where parties can get something that looks like what it should look like to be able to to have a a, a, a just outcome and that i don't know there's just I can't imagine why you would want to litigate anywhere else. Can you imagine if the Dominion case was litigated before an elected judge? Like in no, a, I know that's would, the thing. It's like, like mini insurrections at no, capital. You, you look, know, you look back at the docket in this case, and you look at like the way that that Judge Davis handled this docket. You look back at at how many rulings he had to go through three rounds of summary judgment in this case. You look at like just the amazing burden that this put on the court look at the the absolute circus that it was yesterday but that he also managed it all perfectly fine i mean he just handled it like it, the, the court staff handled it the the everyone from top to bottom handled it like it was it was certainly circus like but it was all perfectly handled like i don't know it's just i think it's incontrovertible at this point like what is like I, I I call the superior court the sister-in-law because you know in law it's mm. the sister-in-law court of the court of chancery because um, I I find I know thank you uh, I find the court of chancery to be my home court but like her sister-in-law is also amazing and uh, it's like what what else could you want people like this is the place to litigate this is the place to incorporate I don't know and it's the, there's no competition. Well, there you have it, folks. There are some, you know, look, we, we, we have a lot of bad stuff to say about a lot of different institutions. I've, I've made vague threats against the Legislative Hall that Carl's, had to ed- that Carl's had to edit out. Carl's had to edit them out. Or else I'd be talking to these attorneys for a whole other thing. But some of the institutions in this state actually function properly. Or to the best of, to the highest professional standard. And I think that that's actually true uh, of of the, the judiciary for what I've just started following it for you know a couple of years now, um, but I have been I have been tied up in the, in the justice system a few times, and uh, you know it hasn't been pleasant. I will say it hasn't been. Pl- they, these haven't been pleasant. I don't think it's supposed to be. I don't think it's supposed. Oh, to be. Look, you know, I, I I feel like I was processed fairly. We'll just say that. I feel like I got a fair shake considering, you know, considering the context, which I won't get into right now. Chance, thanks again. Hope to speak to you soon. Bill, thank you. Folks, uh, you know, left is best. <laughs>